Welcome to Think What You Will Podcast, Episode 9, here with me, Jason Suarez, and my co-host, Rodrigo Puentes. So today, for our ninth episode, we're going to be talking about Gen Z's fears and the uncertainties about them. So, Jason, you picked this topic for today. Would you like to enlighten me and everybody else about it a bit? Why did you pick this topic? Okay, well, I chose this topic because actually I was listening to a podcast and there was something that struck me. It was that, like, we obviously, every generation throughout history has had its own struggles, had had, you know, its own doubts, its uncertainties of the future. And I thought, like, nowadays with Gen Z, we we are, like, in a very complicated world, a very complicated situation. And I would like to, you know, analyze a little bit of the fears that we have today, being also a Gen Z uh, youth. Okay, that, that's, that's interesting. So walk us through. Um, we both did some research, right? But yeah. for you, what would you say are the is the biggest fear that in a generalized way that Gen Z has? Well, um, I think there's quite a few. There's obviously different types, right? There's economic fears, there's social fears, um, there's political fears, I think. There's a lot of different areas that uh, youth have a lot of uncertainty about, you know, like, where's our world going? Um, you know, 20 years from now, what is the type of world that we're going to be lived in? You know, what are, what kind of world we're going to be living in, you know? And I, I would think a lot of youth have that. Um, I definitely have, you know, doubts and uncertainties about the future. And I think we should get into that. But But would you agree with me in that sense that there's a lot of uncertainty clouding, you know, Gen Z's future? I would say yes, especially if you address the environmental issues that are just getting worse every day that goes by. And that's a big concern for the future because we don't know what's going to happen if the environment just keeps getting worse and worse. And, you know, could it bring us to extinction? We don't know, you know. And that's issues that our generation is going to have to face and solve because if we don't solve them, we're, we're all going to die. Okay, well, that's a, a pretty apocalyptic um, it's a view. answer. But do you think a lot of other youth would share that opinion, or is it just you? I think there is a, a portion of youth that care about and are aware of the problems and are, tr- are aware that they need to find solutions and that it's up to our generation to find solutions and the up-and-coming generations. But then there's also another portion that just simply does not care, you know. And uh, I guess that's just people, you know. Some care about the issue, some don't. Because at some point, some will have to solve it and some will just benefit from it, whether they care or not. So it's just, yeah, you you always have two sides. What about you? Do you care about it? Well, that's something I was just thinking because I was like well what what does it mean to care about it you know what I mean like does it mean just like I don't know not using plastic straws or does it mean not actively being more polluting or does it you know not caring just be like oh you know you're just living your everyday life and not really changing it I say to the extent is to try to do the most you can do individually and as a person you know, raise awareness, tell others to do the same, you know, just raise awareness and just do it yourself and lead by example, you know? Okay. Because I don't know, I don't, I don't really feel like the climate problem is as big as they make it up to be like, you know, the world's gonna, you know, not exist in 20 years because of climate change and things like that. I wouldn't say it's not going to exist, but I will say that there's going to be some changes in terms of weather, in terms of breathable air, just in general, there are going to be some changes that we will notice in a few years if there are, if people don't address this issue, but we could say that this is one of the biggest fears, environmental collapse. But what, what would you say would be another big fear that our generation could have? Um, I definitely think, uh, well, I think like 
economic uncertainty is one of the biggest ones, right? Because like, I feel like climate change is a kind of topic that's not relatable to the average person, like somebody, you know, living your family life, working hard, like that's not constantly in their mind or, you know, when you're in university, when you're studying for a degree, I don't know if climate change would be the first thing that comes to my mind in, in terms of like fears and uncertainty for the future. I would say more like, you know, do I have a job in the future? You know, is our robots going to take over the workplace and things like that? So why don't we dive into that a little bit? What is your, what is your opinion on the idea that, you know, 20, 30 years from now that robots can take over our jobs? It's not a, it's not even a fear. It's just something that is going to happen. You have like up and coming systems such as ChatGPT that, you know, do a lot of things and help a lot and is a constant learning system. And I would say if they were to implement ChatGPT into jobs, like a system set that would resemble a bit and be better and more improved, that would take a lot of people's jobs. And with the world becoming more automatic in terms of machines and everything, if you know we keep developing systems like that, it's good. There's going to be a point where a lot of people are going to be out of jobs because <laughs> robots will be doing it for them, or just online systems that will be doing it for them. What kind of what kind of jobs do you think something like ChatGPT would be taking? I would say in the in the medical field, yeah. if at some point they manage to get to be able to get machines to do a doctor's job perfectly without margin of error and you know just better than he, uh, any human would be then the, it could affect anything you know from fact from factory workers to i think no job is safe because if you can teach an online system to do something or a robot to do something then at some point any job is up for the taking by robots or by technology itself Oh, I think I think I don't, I think that depends. I don't think that's necessarily true. Like, for example, if you talk about the medical field, where like I still think there's positions in the medical field where people with like um, human consciousness and ability to make like moral decisions will still have a place. Like a robot can't maybe decide whether to save, you know, one person or the other, right? Like, let's say you're in a situation. There's two people who are both in need of um, you know, uh, immediate surgery, you know, it could be like a lung surgery or something. You only have one lung. Who does it go to? You know, on one bed, it's a, you know, 80 year old man who's near the end. Yeah. Of but if you and have on the other routine, side, it's a kid, you know, like how's a robot going to make that decision? But I didn't say that they would take over completely from all the jobs. I just, I just say that they were going to take over a lot of jobs. For example, let's say a medical team has, has a team made of 20 workers. Let's say that's team one. Yeah. And then let's say you can bring in a robot that can do, that can do the job of 10 people. 10 people are going to be out of the job. You get what I mean? It, I, I don't mean sure. all the important positions are going to be taken. I think humans should keep the important positions. But if you look at the ladder, I think robots will be able to take a lot of jobs away from people. And a lot of people will, you know, will suffer for it. Mm. Do you think those people could possibly shift into other areas because when i was you know thinking of this topic and things uh one of the ideas that i came up with or one of the ideas i had is like for example today right even without robotization right um we have a huge shift to people who are like working in entertainment like uh youtube you know movies actors and stuff like that like it could be one possibility that you know people will start shifting more into that kind of you know industry um, yeah that kind of industry right because no matter what you do robots can't take that over right i mean sure they can do things like maybe edit your video or something like that but like they can't be content pro content producers for example they can't be original enough to think of you know blockbuster movies or films or they can't have artistic styles that make people unique you know what i mean so yeah. i'm not saying that's gonna you know get seven billion people in the world employed but i'm saying um, that's an example of, for example, I think somewhere where people could start working more in that industry while robots take up maybe more, let's say, dirty jobs. Like, you know, maybe robots could take, um, you know, being taking out the trash or like jobs that are 
not so not so you know nice not so fun to do right maybe even lower paying jobs and the rest of society could shift to a different spectrum of you know work what do you think about that i completely disagree with you when it comes to your example of oh people could just could switch up to the to the entertainment industry and others because especially when it comes to the entertainment industry in order to be able to make a life out of it you have to be able to have an income and a lot of people won't be able to do that a lot of people won't be able to generate that income from youtube because those big youtubers they create content and they've been around the field for like 10 years and it's something that you can't just switch up and start from the beginning and earn like that and when it comes to movies and stuff if you know it's not all the all of the actors like that are trying to make it in the industry have part-time jobs because acting does not sustain their inc like their expenses the the payment that they get you have to be like a big actor or a semi big actor to make at least enough money to be able to live off of just acting in movies so i disagree with your point there you could just switch up to entertainment industry you can but you got to be dedicated and you got to work very hard in order to be able to make a living out of it and they but don't you think that if society did shift also the societal norms would also shift right like maybe now in our current situation that's unthinkable because yes um people are running you know content and content creation that's you know not popular stuff yes they don't have any revenue and things like that but you know if society did shift in that direction maybe it would become like a job like the fact that you were on youtube or stuff you were meant like monthly paid or something like that is a possibility but i'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen but it was the hypothesis that i wanted to talk about well there's a couple big fears but what would you say is another big fear like coming from you personally what would you say is a big fear from your point um, of view? well i mean um i think there's a lot of societal feels um fears i think that would probably be where my most uncertainty lies like especially now living you know in europe and things like that like western society like what kind of where are we going you know where are we going with that like what is what is europe what is america going to look like you know um is it just going to become you know i don't know like it's crazy but it seems like we don't know if like even for example certain races that you know were once predominant in Europe you know become minorities you know with the amount of you know like immigrants coming in and things like that like um and how that would impact us right you know what is the future of countries right like the percentage of immigrants now in Europe you know is huge and now you know they're becoming citizens and that's good and it's not a problem right but mm -hmm. you know the lack of family values also results in like less kids you know for uh certain races and are you know like and i think it's an interesting demographic to think about but what what is there to address about it, it so a lot of people need to immigrate from their country well, like, because their living situation of, is terrible a lot of people are not having kids anymore for example in you know in western society like europe and america right i mean well, in china too but that's for other reasons I'm not sure but I'm pretty sure we've hit 8 billion people in the world. Yeah, but it's not because of um Europeans. It's because of other countries. That's what I mean. Like it's because of other countries who continue with their set of values like, you know, countries in Africa, countries in South America, um countries definitely in the Middle East um that are carrying those demographics. It's not, you know, white Europeans and things like that. Well, I don't think we have hit 8 billion in a world population yet but we're very close to at least or yeah. probably hit it i don't know yet but it's a lot of people okay <laughs> and mm -hmm. if society just keeps on growing and growing and growing to 9 10 11 12 billion the world's going to be overpopulated you know there has to be a balance so if people don't want to have kids it's their choice to be honest you know i, I it's just it's a mentality thing if they don't believe they want to have kids and i feel like nowadays there's a lot of people that don't want to have kids 
because they're like, for example, one, one big example is there's a big fear, especially within our generation that uh, relates to economic stability. You know, everybody wants to be economic stable before they have their first child so they can be able to take care of them, you know, pay for their things. It's not, and there's a lot of, there's also a lot of, you know, awareness when it comes to contraceptives in order to not have babies. Yeah, but that's also, you know, a, a privileged, almost like a privileged um, European kind of American mindset, like be economically stable before you have kids because families in Africa or like even families in Europe who are, you know, on the lower economic scale have more kids than those on the higher side. And so it's not, it's not necessarily representative being like more financially stable and having more kids. And that's kind of the irony here is that actually um, the rich technically are having less kids than the poor. Um, and countries outside of Europe, countries outside of America are having a lot more kids um, than, than Europeans and Americans. If you're talking about third world countries and a big continent such as countries in Africa and just Africa in general, of course, mm -hmm. they, they're having more kids than Europe and America and even China and other countries, because they, if you think about it, for a family that's in that kind of situation, living in a third world country where income is very low, if you up your numbers, if you grow your numbers, you have more income when it comes to household income. So I would say that would be one of the biggest reasons as to why they have a lot of kids. And also there's not a lot of awareness when it comes to contraceptives in those regions and they're not as developed okay well that that leaves the argument of whether it's good or not to have kids in the population right it doesn't relate <laughs> how so it doesn't relate it doesn't relate because it's just different different cultures different mindsets and you know yeah, I don't, right. I don't, I, exactly I feel like what I'm people... talking about. it's different cultures and different mindsets, but the thing is people don't realize the implications of their culture and their mindset, right? Because, um, it's very nice to say when you're living in Europe and things and you're like, oh, I want to be economically stable. I only want to have one kid that looks nice. And you're like, oh, our population is fine. Cause we're at 7 billion. What you don't realize is the population, for example, if you're white is probably diminishing, right? And if maybe you're black is probably going up. And so in the, in the current, you know, moment, it's like, oh, it's okay, you know, it's fine that I have one kids, but 10 years from now, um, white people are going to be a minority. <laughs> but we're all people. I don't think whether a person of a certain skin color is a minority or not is no. a big difference. Everybody's equal, you know, so I don't think that's a big issue when it comes to that. And also, I don't think when people are thinking whether or not they should start a family with their partner, I don't think they consider what is going to be the world implications. Like, it's not like they have the duty. Oh, I need to have one kid to keep the world going, you know? So it's also unfair to ask people, oh yeah, you need to have kids. You know, it, I th it's up to a person and people want to have less babies. When I have more babies, it's up to them. And then whether or not that brings us to extinction, then that's a problem, a problem that is going to be addressed when that time comes, I guess. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think that's running. I personally think that's running away from like normal values where you're like, you know, fuck the um, fuck the public, right? Fuck society, right? Like, I just want to do whatever I want. And that's the whole that's the whole trend. And you could I mean, you could do that with everything. You can do that with um, gender, you know, the whole gender disparity problem now, you know, and the whole crisis it's bringing mostly in Western countries, because that's the mindset that only exists in Western countries, like poor countries in Africa don't have that problem. We don't have it at such a large scale, right? So it's a, a problem unique to a certain, you know, uh, country and things like that. But I well, guess that's opinion, right? If people don't, if people like if, if a middle-aged white family doesn't care whether there's going to be <laughs> white people in 40 years, like fine, it's cool for them, right? Now they're just like, oh, I'm gonna work and live my life and be happy. But I think I think there are social responsibilities that every 
person has, and I feel like they're just like people nowadays don't care about that, and that's what one of my worries, at least in my point of view. Well, if it helps you calm down a bit, I just came across a research that says that by 2050, there's a prediction that population will grow up to 9.8 billion. So that's a, a billion, almost 2 billion more people than that we have today. So I don't think you have to worry about that. Hopefully your fear is... I'm not worried about the people. <laughs> talk about, you talk about people having kids, right? There's your there, yeah, there's the I'm talking about question. certain certain races, right? Like Indian Americans are, you know, like you know, native Indian Americans are also almost extinct, right? And uh, you know, people don't think about that. Sure, the population is growing, but they're disappearing yeah. as a race. You know, native native Brazilian communities that used to live in a rainforest, they're also disappearing, right? Uh, they aren't protected. They aren't having enough kids, um, and they're going to eventually disappear. Um, so there is, you know, questionable things with that. It's not just about population growth. It's about uh, the percentage of, you know, population right. growth for different races. But yeah. you're, you're, Anyways, you're, talking about, you're talking about cultures here, like Native Americans. Yeah. They, be, you know, be, it, it's up to them too. if they want to have more kids or not. It's, it's not my duty as for, for me to help their the race or their culture keep on going it's to them you know mm -hmm. and to argue a bit with your point a lot it's kind of hard for people to live as native americans or in the rainforest or whatever because you basically have buildings and cities everywhere you basically a lot of forest and everything's disappearing so it's kind of hard to live like that and have those beliefs and cultures and to keep that going it's up to that culture to instill in their youth those beliefs and if they their youth doesn't believe in it and doesn't keep it going through the generations it's not a problem that the rest of the world has to deal with you know it's based on I mean, the culture it sort of is right it's like letting no it is go go extinct because uh, they can't reproduce anymore. It's our responsibility, and their animals are not even humans. So when we're talking about human races, it's also our responsibility to take care of them, no matter what our race is, right? No. It's up to the race. Okay, so you you're saying you tomorrow. can't just force someone to have a if, baby. So you're saying, saying tomorrow, different... right? Let's say um, we can take any race as an example. Let's say tomorrow, because, you know, um, birth rates and, you know, for example, China are at a negative, right? Let's say in 20 years, Chinese people are not going to exist. That's not a problem for the rest of the world. Well, I mean, that's a stupid example because they have 1 billion people. But <laughs> if Native American, Native American Indians tomorrow disappeared from the world and their race was lost, that wouldn't be a problem for every single seven, every person of the 7 billion people out there. I don't it's mean nothing to do with them. I don't mean any disrespect to any culture, any race whatsoever, but I'm just saying if their own people from that culture or that race don't want to reproduce, do not install the beliefs in their youth. And even if they try to do so, if their youth doesn't believe in them, you can't force the rest of the world to keep it going for them. It's not right for other people. For example, if I had to force you to have babies with someone that they lived mm -hmm. in the jungle just to keep their culture going and their tribe going. That's, it's not fair to you. Saying. That's not what I'm saying. No, that's where your point started. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you said it perfectly. You're saying if that population doesn't instill the values in their own culture, in their own people to reproduce, it is their problem. That is true. But that is exactly what we're talking about is we need to be aware of, of that because sure, we can be talking from the outside. Right. But the people inside those races need to be aware of that. You know, that's what, exactly what I'm saying. Those values need to be instilled. Otherwise, there is a major problem that that race could possibly disappear, for example. Yeah, but it's a problem within their own race, religion or in culture. It's not a problem that the whole world needs to take care of. Because no, I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying for that. But that's how that's how your point has been sounding like for the past couple minutes no that's oh, not what yes I'm saying. No. <laughs> yes it is i'm not saying you have to marry that 
somebody of that race to make sure they coexist. I'm not saying that. Or, and it's know, not other people's responsibility to keep it going. So if certain races go Everybody extinct, yes. if other races go extinct because they didn't have the awareness to keep it going and their youth did not believe in keeping it going, then I'll have fun reading about them in the history books. But other than that, it's not like I don't mean any disrespect <laughs> to anybody, but it's the truth. <clears throat> Well, it just sounds like you're supportive of the idea of them disappearing. It's like, you know, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not supportive. If they disappear tomorrow, I'm going to read about them in the history books. Like, uh, that's not the attitude. Even if we don't actively, you know, reproduce with them, like, we, sh we should have still awareness of it. But that's not my point. I'm not supportive of things disappearing. But if they do, at least have them recorded. So as society grows, they can read about them and learn that, there was a civilization that lived that way and had those beliefs. And it's interesting to learn and to record it. But if the, it goes it's extinct, it's like, I don't know, it's up for people to determine whether or not they want to adapt those values or not. It's not like something that's very, yeah, that's something okay. that's not very concerning towards people in general. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Thank you for discussing that with me. Okay. Well, while we're on that topic, I think you said um, you said before, right? You were talking about um, the influence, for example, on our topic, right? Economic prosperity, right? I have an article here um, that says, you know, Gen Z's top hopes and fear um, <laughs> by Mark Mc by Mark McCrindle, okay? And here are some things that they listed here. So I thought we could also touch upon this a little bit. It says here, top five fears. Not having, let's go, you know, buy a list and, you know, discuss every one of them. Number one, they said, not having enough money to live comfortably. 65%. What do you think of that? I agree with it. It's something that people care about a lot. Okay. And do you, do you think this is something that's prominent just today? Or, and, you know, wasn't prominent in the years past? Like I think it's generation? just... I think it's just a problem for people in general. Uh, I would say more so for newer, for more, for younger generations, because yes. we're the ones that are growing up and facing different issues and having to battle them. And especially with the economic uncertainties that exist today, um, it's hard for people to have a, a certainty that they will be able to have enough money to be able to just enjoy life in their own terms. You know, it doesn't mean that if I go get a job right now, that I will be able to go out with my friends or have enough money to even do that, you know? So I would say people care about a lot, like when it comes to being financially stable to sustain themselves and their enjoyments and pleasures. And, and just to be able to enjoy life as well. And what do, you, what do you think that would stem from? What do you think that comes from? Does it come from, you know, them looking at the job market and being like, whoa, you know, like there's really no job openings, there's a lot of unemployment. Does it come from uncertainty of knowing what they want to do in the future? For example, them going to university but not knowing what they want to do. And so they overthink and think, oh, I'm going to be able to find a job I like and a job that pays me well, that lets me live comfortably? Or, or what, do, what else do you think could possibly stem from? Yeah, it could also come from seeing, you know, social media, people being on yachts every weekend and flying on private jets and things like that and just enjoying life and not doing and not working as much. It just stems from... A lot of things, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what would be the biggest reason for people in gen in the general consensus, but it's just, it's something that people care about a lot, you know, because if you don't have enough money to buy food, to, you know, buy the things that you need to live on a daily basis, then, you know, you're not going to have a fun time uh, with your life. Mm-hmm. You will struggle Fair a lot. Enough. What about you? What do you think about it? No, I agree. I, I agree with that. I think, right, we're talking about, you know, not just, you know, working two jobs, you know, a day and things like that, or, you know, having to work 12 hours a day and then not having any extra money for yourself or extra time, right? I think people do have a fear of that. 
Um, but on that lines, right, a lot of people do have to, in a lot of circumstances, work in jobs, for example, um, that maybe they, they possibly don't like, right? And that's the other fear they have here too. It says, you know, the fear of being stuck in a job that they don't enjoy and doesn't fulfill them, you know? I think that's also a big problem for youth today. And that can come from like, um, them not knowing what they want to go into. Like when they go into uni, they don't know what to choose or they don't know whether to skip out on uni and just start working, you know? Um, and yeah, what do you think about that? Um, well, I think everybody would like to be able to do something with their life that they enjoy, you know? If you're doing something with your life that you don't enjoy, you're not going to be happy. And it's going to lead to you being sad, could lead to depression, you know, could ruin your relationship with others because you're just not happy with yourself. Mm -hmm. And that also covers the topic of mental health, but I'll just, I'll, I'll talk about it a bit later uh, because mm -hmm. I also think it's a, a fear uh, when it comes to, I'll just track it back to it later. Uh, on this topic that you mentioned, I personally would not like to be doing something with my life that I'm not enjoying, you know, but sometimes you need to do it. Sometimes you need to get a job that you don't like to be able to sustain yourself for that period of time. And then once you're settled and have like sorted out more or less your life out, then you can, you know, get a better job. But and other things like that will go into the industry that you actually want to be involved in. But it depends on the circumstances as well. You know, it's not like you, everybody has a choice. Sometimes you got to do because life situations happen and you're forced into it. Like you have to, to be able to keep going and sustain yourself. So it depends on the, on, on people's life situations, to be honest, but it's up to them. Like if you go to university, get a degree on something that you're not even sure about and then go into that industry and then you're like, oh, it's too late for me to go into another industry and you're stuck in that industry that you don't like. It's an issue, you know? So people need to be smart with their lives. They need to spend time thinking about what they actually want to do with their lives. For sure. Um, I agree with that. I definitely think that like, yeah, people naturally should find something that they want to do, but like you said, can be limited by their circumstances, right? Um, maybe past decisions or whatever availability, right? Some people don't get, you know, the full chance to do what they want. Maybe somebody wanted to grow up to play, you know, football or be a football star. And when they were six, they, you know, got cancer or something that limited them, you know? Um, so a lot of definitely unforeseen circumstances can happen in your life. Do you, as a personal question, do you ever have a fear of that? Like, for example, you want to play football, you know, you want to do that in your life. What if tomorrow you get, you know, some guy in the next game, you know, slide tackles you and breaks your knee joint. And even if you do a surgery and even if you get better, you'll never be the same player and you'll never make it pro. Like, do you ever think about that? Do you ever have fears about that or anything? Hey, being in this journey that I am in to become a professional footballer, I think I'm being really smart to be doing it and, having a background in education as well, like in business, that I'm taking my degree in business administration. And um, it's just, I have a lot of different goals that I want to achieve in my life. And if mm -hmm. something crippling happens to me, physically crippling, that cripples me, and I won't be able to pursue the path of professional footballer anymore, then I will just focus more on the other goals that I want to achieve it with my life, you know? So I'm a person that uh, I'm really energetic and I have a lot of ideas and I'm someone that wants to be a difference, maybe not for the whole world, but at least for those around me and for the people that I will meet for the rest of my life and associate with, I, I want to be a positive difference. So I have different goals. I have different ambitions. So I'll just, I just keep working on them right now. The main one is becoming a professional footballer and finish my degree. And then I have subcategories of goals and ambitions that I want to do when, with my free time that I, I'm slowly working and to achieve it within five years time, 10 years time, you know. So I'm a, I'm a person that actually kind of like thinks about, takes time to think about what I want to do with my life, what I like, what I don't like. I test myself out 
in different industries. You know, I put myself in different situations to see if I like that thing or if I like that topic, for example, cars, being a mechanic or knowing how to work with cars. Something I would love to learn more and do personally. You know, so there's a lot of things I'd love to do with my life. So to be honest with you, it is a scary thought if I suddenly have a career ending injury, but I know myself and I know that it will not define who I am. So yeah. What about you? That's very good. Um, on that. Okay. Um, about me. Yeah, for sure. Like I agree with you in that sense. Um, I, I wouldn't say like I have a particular fear that, you know, I, I won't work in something that I love, but sure. It's definitely something, you know, in the back of my mind where it's like, Sometimes you think about it, you're like, oh, you know, what if this is something I really want to do, but it doesn't work out for me? What if I try really hard, but it doesn't work out for me? Or maybe even though it's something I really want to do, it's not what's right for me. You know, there's a lot of questions like that. Um, but that kind of ties into another thing that I thought would be interesting to talk about, which was um, the fear of not achieving your true potential, right? Because, you know, what determine? let's start with, you know, what determine? What do you think is your true potential? You know, a true potential for a person. I think a person's true potential is just being able to work to be the best version of themselves, you know, push to be the best version of yourself. Because you could be great at a lot of things, you know, but people, once you're gone, people will remember you for who you are as a person, not for what you, for like, if I become an, one of the best footballers in history, yeah, sure, people could talk about it, but what, how was I as a person? Was I, was I a mean person? Was I a bad person? You know, for me personally, I just think that it, whatever you do when it comes to like your job doesn't matter. It's just about how you are as a person. What do you, what do you stand for? What are your values? Are you the best version of yourself you can be? You know, being good to others. That's what, for me, that's what a person's full potential should be. You know, just being the best version of themselves. And if they're great, would you say those are limits that you set yourself? Like you decide, like my true potential could be, because you have to know, nobody else can tell you, right? Nobody can say, Rodrigo, this is your full potential. You can only ever be this good, or you can be, you know, this good, but you can't actually be that, right? It's something that's determined by yourself, right? Look, as someone that has been surrounded by people, saying that they were better than me at some things. When it comes to football, for example, I was always surrounded by people that were always better than me or whatever, always say that they were better. And when I look back and see where I am now compared to them, I'm where they would like to be. So I'm a person that I don't limit myself based on what other people think of me and what other people's opinions of me are. I limit myself. I just don't limit myself, to be honest. I just work hard and I strive to be the best I can be in whatever whatever I do and as a person, as a human being. So I try to be the best version of myself as a football player, as a, as a friend, as a son, as a brother, you know, as a boyfriend, potentially. I just try to be the best I can be in whatever situation I'm in, in whatever work industry I'm in, in whatever I do. That's that's my that's just what I live by. Yeah, I I think nobody you know what the thing is about true potential. I think that nobody knows what it is because your true potential you only know when you reach the limit. So you can't set a limit on yourself if you've never been to that limit. Because you could say, oh, my true potential is you know something tangible, right? Let's say um running a hundred kilometers in a certain amount of minutes. How do you know that's your true potential? Only if, if you, you can't do faster than that. If so you can I, run a hundred kilometers in a matter I'm of seconds, that is crazy. I, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm saying, you know, an example, right? Setting. I know, know, I know, I'm just goal, right. But I think that true, like true potential is something that you just have to keep pushing for. And you might never meet because as long as you can keep progressing, it means you still have more potential. You know, if you train today, you get stronger. You haven't reached, reached your potential, you keep going. 
You keep going, you keep going, you keep going until you reach it. And that's the only way you find out what your true potential is, is if you ever reach it, which I don't think anybody technically reaches it. Because I don't think there's a limit when it comes to potential because you can always grow as a person physically. You can always improve in any aspect in your life. So it's really hard to say that there's a limit to it or to where you reach a point and be like, I cannot learn anymore. I cannot grow anymore as a person. You know, I cannot do that. I cannot do other things because that's the interesting thing about human beings. And that's what makes us as a species so special is that we can do a lot of different things and we're, we could be rational as well. And we could just, if we put like, for me, example, if I put my mind to something, I will do everything in my power to do it and to just get better, better, better. I don't look at it. Oh, I have to be the best at it. No, I just want to be the best I can possibly be. And that's what I like to live by. Right. What about yeah, you? That's, that's exactly what I agree to, right? Um, exactly that's you good. You just keep pushing, you keep pushing, you keep pushing. Because you don't know what your true potential is. You just got to work and give your best. Um, so, um, tying that back into my question, my original question is, um, do you think, do you, would you ever fear not reaching your full potential? Because although it's something not tangible, like we just said, Although it's not something tangible, you can still measure it in certain ways. Like if you're very smart, right? Maybe you're very smart, you're very athletic. Um, you could say you never reach your full potential if, for example, you end up working, you know, a terrible job or something, or and you're a terrible person or something like that, right? Could you say but, that? But you're limiting, you're just limiting it. For example, you're, you're making it seem like, oh, if I'm an athlete, an athlete, that's all I will be, you know? No, I just think that when it comes to potential, people have to stop looking at something that is so so crippling, so limited, and stop putting in just one area of their lives. They should just apply it to them generally, as in, I want to be a boxer. Oh, I didn't do, I wasn't that good. I reached my potential as a boxer. No, it's just, it wasn't good. You learn stuff, you grow as a human. Because I think potential is more towards who you aim, who you strive to be, who you grow to be. And it's something that people should apply to themselves instead of to, some, to the things that they want to do with their lives. And that brings me to a topic That's a good point. that I would say one final big fear that I would say, especially personally, I think that I consider it's not a fear more so, but it's more an issue is mm -hmm. the, imp the importance of mental health. Because... Okay. I feel like our generation, we're very impulsive because we act upon our feelings a lot. We don't take the time to process them, think them through and come out with the best possible scenario. There are a lot of people that just act upon them. I'm angry. I'm going to punch you in the face, you know, or I'm going to shoot you or something. Very impulsive people. And... As someone that has dedicated a bit of time, not a bit, a lot of time with his life into learning how to be able to control his feelings, his thoughts, you know, be able to have good control of his, over his mind. I think it's a very important issue because if more people, you know, learn about the importance of mental health and being able to control how your feelings, how to deal with your feelings that you're possessing, the thoughts that are going through your mind, you won't do as many fucked up things as you will possibly do if you didn't have that self-control, you know? What about well, you? What, what do you think of this? Well, yeah, I, I get what you're saying with impulsiveness. Like those are things you have to learn to control, right? I agree with that. And when it comes to mental health, um, I think, sure, some mental illness can be solved, can be worked on, you know, um, healing, you know, if you're, you know, depressed or things, maybe there's certain, for some people, there's a way out. But also the thing you have to understand about mental health is like, sometimes there isn't an, you know, an easy solution. Maybe you're stuck in a job that you hate. Maybe you're alone, you're growing older, you're, you don't have any financial um, stability, you have no future, and, uh, or maybe you just have a physiological condition, you know what I mean? Um, and you're just, um, you have a physiological condition where you're depressed, right? 
Like, um, that is also a problem with society. And sometimes it's not necessarily something you can do about that. Yeah, but th those are those are not a generalized generalized scenarios. Those are special scenarios. I'm talking a, a generalized consensus where, especially in our generation, when speaking for for our generation, I want to say that when we want something, we want it now. We don't know what it is to wait because everything's so easily accessible, you know, and everything's given to us. We have difficulty waiting for things. So what I mean is, and uh, there's a lot of people in our generation that if you look at percentages, depression has grown a lot, especially in our generation. A lot of more people are depressed within our age group. And one of the main reasons I think that is, is because they don't have control over their feelings, their own mind and their thoughts. They're, they're not able to control them. And if they learn, if they take time to learn how to do that, they would be happier with their lives. Okay. I get what you're saying, but I have a point to that. Do you, would, do you think that these statistics that we have today, for example, like the fact that our generation is technically more depressed than previous ones, you think that's really valid? Like maybe there was an increase. I'm not saying, you know, there wasn't. Maybe there is an increase in mental illness and mental depression, for example, in our district. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the increase that it has, do you think it's partially skewed by, for example, the way the statistics are taken? For example, we don't have depression statistics from 1950s. We don't have it from from years ago. So it's hard to compare, right? Even from 20, 30 years ago, you could say, oh, well, we started having, um, um, you know, polls about this depression and things yeah well the criteria was different like maybe in the 1990s and when there was a poll some guy who was sad or lonely wouldn't have registered as depressed and today because you know this word depression has been you know so overused that everybody's like oh i'm struggling a little bit like this month i'm not feeling happy you know maybe they're they're fine overall maybe they actually aren't depressed but because of this prevalence of the word depression when they feel a little bit sad when they feel a little bit angry you know they just say oh i'm depressed and they're not really depressed what do you think on that that's what i'm saying people need to have control over their own mind need to take into attention mental health and learn how to improve their own mental health because the the perfect the example you gave of oh i'm not having a good month i'm depressed kind of mentality is something that I completely think takes away the meaning of what depression actually is. Because every little thing happens nowadays to someone and they're like, oh my God, I'm depressed. No, you're not. You're just someone going through a bit of a rough time. It happens in life. Just gotta go through. If you're going through hell, why stop there? Just keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, the only way is up. You're not gonna keep going down anymore. You know, when you reach rock bottom, the only way is up. People need, right. people are so negative nowadays it's it's really hard to find a positive minded person nowadays because everybody just looks at the negatives because they act on their feelings instead of sitting down rationalizing them and thinking what's the best way to deal with this and i think that depression is a serious thing for people that actually have clinical depression that are diagnosed and have actual depression not people that just, oh, something bad happens. Oh, I'm depressed. It doesn't work like that. And I really, I really disagree. And I really dislike the fact that people just take that word and the idea of it and just throw it into any kind of possible situation. It's not right, especially for the people that actually have depression and suffer with it every single day with their lives. Yeah, that's a good it, point. It destroys the meaning of it. It destroys the importance of it. Yeah, it ruins the severity um, for those who really truly have depression, right? Two people walk up to you, two people all walk up to a doctor. Maybe one needs more urgent care than the other, but they both are classified as depressed, right? Maybe one guy, like you're saying, is just the guy who was having you know, a bad day or whatever, and he goes to the doctor, and maybe the other one actual has a physical problem, you know? And like you said, 
it does dilute the worth or the value of saying you're depressed because people don't know if you're really depressed or you're just going through a hard time. But here's a question. Tying this into our topic of today, you know, the fears of Generation Z. What is your fear regarding mental health for our generation? Or what do you think the fear for our generation regarding mental health is? Is that the fear, I would say, is my fear is that as our generation grows older, um, those issues will be magnified in their brains. And um, if they don't address it when they can, when they're young, when it's easier to change and, you know, to change the way you think about things and stuff like that, uh, you're going to have um, an older, when we grow older, you're going to have us mentoring kids, right? Being role models for children. And it would be really, really bad if we could not teach our future kids or just children in general how to control your emotions, how to not be impulsive, how to have good mental health, how to look after yourself. It's, it's, it's a fear. It's an issue that people need to consider and take into account and be like, wow, you know, it's something that we need to consider for the future. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Don't you, don't you think? Because as a generation grows older, these fears, right, or these problems in terms of mental health will only get embedded in them, you know. Um, yeah. When they're young, you start out with problems, um, mental illness or doubts or negativity, right? As they grow older, they'll become more ingrained in them and it'll just be harder to root out, right? Um, and what do you, you know, dealing with this problem, you know, what do you think the solution would be, in your opinion? The solution to, for people to have better mental I'm health. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there is a solution. Obviously, if there was a solution, maybe we would have found it by now. But how how do we address this? I what don't do know. Tell, if I what do we if tell I'm our fellow most, Gen Zs what to do? I'm not the most qualified person in terms of expertise <clears> to <throat> giving a solution. But for me, what it works personally is that I just take time to gather my thoughts my emotions and just go through them, you know, because that's just how I do things. And when I was younger, I was more impulsive. I was less in control of my emotions, but as I grew older, you know, I wanted to be, I always had this aim to become a better person in general. So I always look up videos and books and just articles of how to improve as a person. And then I came across the issue of mental health and how to improve it how to take control of my mind, training, training my mind, you know, being able to not react based on the emotions I'm feeling. And um, just, yeah, and it's something that people should do. Just watch videos, uh, read articles, read books on how to be able to train your mind to be more positive, to instead of looking things so, uh, so negatively, to be more positive. And to just read about different scenarios and just be able to be considerate and just think and control, just control, be, be in control of your mind. Don't let your mind control you, you know? Um, so bringing up our next topic, which will be our last, um, I think there is a generational fear, which is the fear of not finding love, uh, the fear of not finding a partner. Um, and that kind of relates to mental illness. Um, but talk to me, discuss to me a little bit about this. I personally am not affected by the chance whether or not I will have, I will meet the love of my life. I'll have love. I've experienced a relationship in the past where I fell in love. It was great. Had the our issues and stuff, like any relationship and stuff. But it's something that, I personally do not need on a daily basis, and especially nowadays where, you know, we as men, we have to work 20 times harder than our grandparents to find quality women. 
it's it's really hard to find quality women nowadays. No offense to anybody. It's the same thing for women. It's harder for women nowadays as well to find quality men. So it's just for me, I just go with I just keep going with my life. And if I meet somebody that shares the same, not the same views as me, because if it's just the same, it's kind of boring. But somebody that challenged me to be better, somebody that improves me, and somebody I fall in love with, and they fall in love with me, um, then yeah, I'd love to meet a woman that, you know, I I would fall in love with for the rest of my life, and she would fall back in love with me. But it's something that I really, <laughs> it doesn't. It's something that I don't. It doesn't like. It's, it's <laughs> not a fear that you have yet. Wait. Yeah. It's something that I really don't care about. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, well, too bad, I guess. <laughs> would I like well, it? Yeah. Any any man, any woman would like it, but that was sure. life. What about you? Well, I definitely think there's a lot of people out there who are, who are afraid of feeling alone. And sure, maybe like in certain periods of their life, that's not some major feel, fear, right? Like maybe you possibly right now don't have a fear, maybe in couple of years you will right maybe as you grow older then that will become more prominent or maybe you'll find somebody and you'll never have that feel right but i definitely think it is something that people do think about nowadays um you know um like you said about quality of partners right like there you know there are a lot of people from both genders or whatever gender they are that you know find themselves quite alone in life and they, they think like oh i'm just gonna live the rest of my life alone right um so definitely i think that's something that does exist of course but i feel like a lot of people struggle with that and fear that they will never be in love because they're just scared that they're going to be they're going to end up alone mm -hmm. and as someone that spends a lot of his time alone because i, I just do my own things and do my own work i just sometimes hang out with my friends and family, but I would say on a daily basis, I spend a lot of time by myself. I would say that if you're not comfortable being by yourself and in your, your, the company of yourself, then you don't love yourself. You, there's like, you don't like yourself because you gotta, I think it's a really big strength if you're able to just be by yourself and enjoy that that time enjoy who you are do things you like i'm not scared to be alone i enjoy my alone time to be honest it's it's nice it helps me develop myself tackle bad things that i've done throughout the week bad thoughts or whatever bad actions that to get better you know, do things i would like to do you know so people should learn to be okay with who they are and mm -hmm. It's okay to be alone. If you jump into a relationship because you're lonely, it's not going to be a very fruitful relationship. Things sure. come for those who wait and for but those I that work towards it. I don't think we're talking about temporary, like being by yourself. Like, I think that's a good thing to do, right? Is be alone, learn about yourself until you're ready for a relationship. Like saying, what we're talking about being alone permanently, like never ever finding somebody. And that's different than just being like, oh, you know, between relationships or in a period of your life, maybe you're young, maybe you're a teen, you're like, oh, dating's not the most important thing now. Maybe you're in your twenties, you're prioritizing your career or your relationships. That's all right. But permanently, like over, like till the day you die, never finding somebody, or maybe you found somebody, but messed up with it you know man life is life you know it is what it is to be honest and would i personally like and do i think people would love to have a partner for the rest of their lives who they can spend their time with be their best friend and things like that of course anybody would love to have that but am i okay with the thought and with the possibility of me never finding a partner that would love me for the rest of my life and that i would love for the rest of my life I'm completely fine with that. I have my family, I have my friends, you know, my my close circle of friends, and that's more than enough for me. 
because I surround myself with my family and my friends. And if a special girl ever walks into my life, I would love to have that. But if it, there's never a special girl, then I'll be happy either way. Fair enough. What about you? Well, um, yeah, I think I'm also like you in that sense that it's not the biggest thing on my mind. It's not something I think about on a day like, oh, well, I end up alone. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to for sure. Like, um, I want to be, you know, in a relationship and want that long term, you know, even if it's not right now, it's not, you know, uh, in the next 10 years or whatever. But yes, I would desire that. But I, I wouldn't say I have a fear of it. But I know that a lot of other people do. And that's why I'm bringing up a lot of people nowadays. I don't know. It could be for a lot of reasons. It could be their struggles, right? Mental health and things like that. Like we're talking about economic uncertainty, right? A lot of yeah. people grow up in tough situations where, you know what? The one thing that they hope for in life is like a, a reliable, you know, partner and things. And they're like, if I don't get that, like already with all the other bad things that are happening in my life or the not perfect things happening in my life, at least I will have, you know, a partner. And if I don't have that, well, that really sucks. You know what I mean? Um, but that's, I think, why I brought up the topic. But for me, I think life has its route and hopefully you take opportunities and you learn with them and you take advantage of them when they do come, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's my opinion. Well, finishing up that last topic, that last fear that we think is a generational fear that our Gen Z faces, I would like to end the episode I think that we learned a lot this episode. We had really good discussions. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagram, TikTok, and other social media. So please do that. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. And see you next week.